0: I acknowledge with gratitude that I'm a settler who lives and creates on the unceded traditional territories of the Semiahmoo First Nation, which lies within the shared territories of the Kwantlen, Katsi, and Stolo First Nations. Having compassion for ourselves is not always easy to do, but would you be willing to consider growing your self-compassion if you knew that it could result in improving both how you feel about yourself and your motivation? What about improving your ability to problem-solve or persist with challenges? These things become possible when we can be self-compassionate. Don't get me wrong. I am not saying that if we love ourselves, then everything will be all right. But we live in a society that appreciates the school of hard knocks, blood, sweat, and tears. I'm saying there's another way. And if you have ADHD, self-compassion is a foundational piece, especially self-compassion that is ADHD-friendly. There are proven ideas, actions, and strategies for people with ADHD. People like us, who can have a lousy track record at some things, will make mistakes and more than likely be listening to this with a heavy dose of skepticism. How, you ask? We reconsider what we know about ourselves and our ADHD and explore how trying some small changes or having a different perspective might help us. We also need to know how to be compassionate for when, yes, when, not if, We forget all of this and find ourselves back in a familiar, less-than-helpful place. This is a topic we are going to unpack over a few episodes, and today we're going to be talking about how important self-compassion is to deal with stress, our self-misperceptions, and living with an ADHD brain. For show notes and more information on this topic, visit ADHDFriendlyLifestyle.com. Welcome to the ADHD Friendly Lifestyle. I'm your host, Moira Maben, a woman, mom. Educator, and I have late diagnosed ADHD. This is the place to practice getting rid of guilt or shame and spending more time with our strengths and passions. There are things that I wish I had known about my ADHD sooner that are allowing me to make different decisions to make my life more ADHD friendly, and I want to share them with you. I want to live an ADHD friendly life that is mindful and authentic so I can integrate my priorities in a way that is sustainable. In episode two, I shared a way to get yourself on your own list by looking into what stresses are in your life and how they could be reduced, tweaked, or eliminated. I have tried for so long to reduce stressors, but couldn't do it in a way that gave me a lasting sense of internal common peace. Can we please just have a few things be not so hard? Maybe easier or feel less stressed? That would be compassionate, right? Stress never seems to go away, or very far in my experience. Feeling perpetually stressed isn't healthy, so I wanted to think about how self-compassion could reduce stress. But even if I find ways to get rid of some, ask for help, and minimize others, there will always be stress. Especially when some of those stressors are things that we also love. What if we accept that some things in our life will be more challenging than others? Stop fighting that, and instead of trying to get rid of it, we try to mitigate the stress. Then we can stop banging our head against the wall, looking for ways to have a stress-free life. Hear me out. Mitigating means we try to make stress less severe, serious, or painful. That's helpful, right? When I began to look at how to lessen the impact of stressful things, not get rid of them, that shift in perspective actually really changed things. If I have an activity or event that I know taxes me, I mitigate that by planning to be more rested or in a good headspace before. And sometimes I also plan something good for after too. It can be taking a few minutes by myself, talking or texting with someone who I share a laugh with, or even those things we consider guilty pleasures. Sometimes if we have 30 minutes for some Netflix or YouTube, or even going outside, it can help us reset. Especially if we know that we've planned for it and included that time in our day. They are not stolen times and I have found myself less likely to get stuck then. I've also found that when I go outside in the spring, I will invariably end up poking around in the garden, get dirty, and then I have to consider what I'm wearing and how quick that trip outside is. Yesterday, my five-minute yard wander required 10 minutes of cleaning dirt up off of me, my clothes, and my floor where I tracked it in by accident. If I left it, future me would be so mad at stepping in it and making my socks dirty that I had to clean it up for her then. All of this awareness comes from a place of compassion. The more we take our needs into consideration, we improve our overall capacity and ability, and we don't drain ourselves so fast either. We can learn to use things we like to mitigate stress. I don't know about you, but being able to give myself permission to actually do the things I like to do before or after harder things sounds and feels pretty damn good. It's compassionate to also realize that sometimes we do need a challenge. A push or a change. Not all stress is bad. We do need some challenges in our lives so we can grow and recognize that we are resilient and can deal with life's challenges. Eric Tivers of ADHD Rewired talks about how we can do hard things. Yep, that's true. Even for those of us who are taking refuge under the covers, we have done hard things. We just might forget it or be unable to recognize it. You can't have ADHD and not have done a lot of hard things. Brenda Mahan of ADHD Essentials refers to it as playing life on hard mode. Agreed. Okay. I wonder how many of us are now thinking, hold on, she was going to talk about how to be more compassionate, and now she's telling us that we need to be able to handle the stress in our lives, not get rid of it. Here's the thing with that. Stress and compassion are a double-edged sword. What we do with that knowledge, that some stress is helpful, and how we handle stress and struggle is key. Given that some stress is good to help us with resilience, here's my take. As a woman, parent of neurodiverse kids, wife, teacher, daughter, and pandemic survivor, trying harder has been my number one strategy for close to 50 years. The countless times I've had to pick myself up when I fell or got knocked down proves that I am resilient and can persist with challenge. I've even kept going after three burnouts and falling off a 50-foot cliff in 2018. The mental effort that it has taken to compensate, hide my struggles, and try to keep up with everyday life has got to be too much. My almost lifelong eating disorder is largely attributed as a coping mechanism for my undiagnosed, untreated ADHD. I'm exhausted by the struggle. And not only do I not want to struggle anymore, I can't and I won't do it anymore. I am going through perimenopause as well for crying out loud. If I knew someone with only one or two of these things going on, I would feel empathy and compassion for them. How many do you check off? If you have ADHD, that is more than enough to not only try to mitigate the stress in our lives, be thoughtful and decided in what challenges we take on, but also to give ourselves the gift of compassion. Our world needs more of it, and we can start with ourselves. If you still aren't convinced, research shows that when you have ADHD and self-compassion, it improves motivation and self-confidence. It also positively changes how we interact with others, our problem-solving, and persistence. (music) Developing our self-compassion is especially important to buffer and offset the messages we have or experience when we have ADHD, especially late-diagnosed ADHD, when we've spent years trying to figure out how we fit in the world with limited or incorrect information about ourselves and our brains. Research shows that preschoolers with ADHD typically receive one statement of praise for every three corrective directions. That's just sad. Psychiatrist Dr. William Dodson estimates that by the age 12, children with ADHD receive 20,000 more negative messages from parents, teachers, and other adults than their peers who do not have ADHD. It is no stretch of the imagination that in trying to deal with these messages, people with ADHD... Become pretty self critical. These thoughts, emotions, past failures, and pain all influence how we move through the world and can lead to confusion as we try to make sense of how and why we keep getting things wrong. We naturally tend towards trying to figure out how to protect ourselves from repeating these experiences. It limits our ability to pick ourselves back up, dust ourselves off, without self criticism or judgment. Clearly, we are the problem, right? I must have screwed it up again or I certainly will, given half a chance. Some of us don't pick ourselves up. Others do, but either way, our inner critic can become pretty harsh and sometimes so stealthy, we don't even recognize that it's there. That doesn't sound very self-compassionate, does it? Even when we are successful, we are limited in our abilities to recognize that too. In early 2020, in the before times, I gave a presentation to a group of educators on what life in school is like with unrecognized or untreated ADHD. I texted a friend the night before that I was putting in a lot of time and effort getting ready, probably too much, and that I needed to remind myself that I would do fine and to stop over preparing. I gave the talk, and at the end, there were many questions. People wanted to connect with me for more information. Some even hugged me for putting into words either their own or their loved ones' experiences, and there may have been some tears. Afterwards, my friend messaged me. You did great. Told you so, very relatable, vivid, with context and practical to dos. It was very empowering. My response? Thank you. All I got from that was, I talked a lot. Yep, no shit, Sherlock. You're giving a presentation. It's kind of expected you will talk a lot. This time I was able to pause and notice the difference between our takes on my presentation, and I was able to see so clearly a few things that are often true for a lot of us we are notorious for sucking at being able to accurately self-assess. We are overly self-critical and routinely minimize or don't even recognize our strengths, gifts, and accomplishments. So I made a choice on February 21st, 2020. I made the choice to believe my friend. I made the choice to take in her compliments and not to brush them off. In fact, I called her and we discussed how differently we had experienced my talk. I was able to expand my perspective to include hers and to put less weight on my own. When we inaccurately view our abilities and our accomplishments, not only can we be self-critical, we lose an opportunity to build self-compassion, motivation, and persistence. When people do something successful, pleasure and reward chemicals are released in our brains. But when you have ADHD, it's different in at least two ways. We have less of that pleasant or successful feeling, and it doesn't last as long. So the positive messages and feelings are arriving in our brain in a more muted fashion, and they are soon a distant memory that we can't call upon in the future to help us do the thing again. That knowledge, combined with our ability to descend into self-judgment of just about anything, our jobs, our parenting skills, our looks, our body size and shape, relationships, financial status, you name it, we could tell you how we suck at it, means that we need other ways. External to us to check whether or not our perspectives are balanced. I have trusted people that when I need to, and sometimes I do, I can check in about my thinking or take on a situation. I also need ways to challenge and remind myself that my typical stories in my head are not true. For example, I have given many presentations before and I've never completely messed one up. So part of having self compassion means knowing ourselves. And knowing what we are good at, and being honest about facing up to the truth about ourselves, warts and all. No one is all good or all bad, and what helps us is having trusted ways to consider what we say and do. What helped my self-compassion most of all is the recognition that our inner critic would do best to just fuck right off. Will I make mistakes? Probably. Ah, uh, definitely. When we are self-compassionate it makes it easier to recognize when we do need to fix things, and that we can learn from that experience in ways that don't damage our self-worth or define who we are. ADHD is a performance disorder. We know what we want or need to do, but can struggle to actually do it, even if we've done it before or want to do it. And that's something we can use help with. How many of us could write a book on a topic we know inside and out, but struggle to actually do? That's given us more than ample experience at falling short. Our actions not corresponding to our goals or intentions. It can be so confusing. What does this say about who we are? Especially if you get that message from others that we need to try harder, sort ourselves out. What if you either agree with that or are at a total loss of what else to do? This is how ADHD affects our health routines, and our health routines affect our emotions. Our inner world impacts how we manage our life, our responsibilities, our time, and our dreams. But we aren't broken and we don't need fixing. We have neurochemistry that impacts our moods, doubly so if you have a monthly female hormonal cycle. If we don't remember this regularly, that our moods are strongly linked to our neurochemistry, then we do what we've always done before. We look to what we said, did, thought, or didn't do to try and explain it. It was what I ate, or I didn't exercise enough, or I'm a bad friend. When we accept our neurodiversity means we are not broken or a bad person, then we can move towards responding to our lives in a way that doesn't harm us, but helps. When we can focus on healing... Not curing, there are strategies and ways to help regulate our brain chemistry that are far easier than changing a misperceived moral flaw. And that includes restoring our sense of self to one that embraces all of who we are. And that is the very essence of self compassion. This might mean changing our relationship to difficult emotions and healing from much of what has hurt us in the past. Then it's developing an ability to understand and be aware of our frustrations and hurdles and how we respond to them while also finding ways to limit their impact on our lives. Sometimes the ADHD wins. By its very nature, it trips us up and gets in our way. That's not our fault. It's the result of a brain-based neurological medical condition. Did I make that clear enough? This is not to limit us from having and doing the things we want or need to do, or to let us off the hook from taking responsibility when we mess up. It's to help us avoid blaming ourselves with overly harsh critical self-perceptions. Sometimes we do need to make changes. How we are doing things are not working for us or anyone else around us. Change doesn't come from flogging ourselves. It comes from having a space within us that is free of judgment and feeling safe enough to experience and respond to frustrations and failures with kindness and care. I hope by now you are well and truly convinced about why we can and should be compassionate to ourselves. In upcoming episodes, we will spend more time considering how we can be more compassionate to ourselves with special appearances from our old friends and stories. Perfectionism, shame spirals, overwhelm, I don't wanna, it'll never work, social media, society at large, and my personal favorite, what happens when I forget to be compassionate? Yes, you heard me right again. It's not if, but when. Speaking of when, not if... I know that it's time to get back to talking about good old female hormones. (laughs) That barrel of laughs. I can't get enough of it. Worry not. The second one about hormones will be coming your way very soon. Okay, you've done the hard work by staying to the end. Your reward? Here are the main takeaways from today's episode. Number one. Growing our self-compassion helps people with ADHD improve their self-worth, ability to interact with others, motivation, persistence, and problem solving. Number two, self-compassion is important because we can't get rid of all stress. We can use self-compassion to mitigate stress and it can help us determine when some stress is good for growth and resiliency and when we need to give ourselves a break. Number three, our self-perception can be off resulting in self-criticism self-judgment, and diminishing our own accomplishments. Self-compassion is key in the process of changing negative self-images or thoughts. Number four, ADHD and its neurobiological impact affects our mood, emotions, and ability to manage everything. When we can understand and recognize with compassion that this does not mean we are broken, we are one step closer to dealing with challenges without causing more distress in our lives. There are strategies and ways to help with our moods, old stories, habits, and patterns that don't help us anymore, and we're going to be talking about growing self-compassion over the next few episodes. We will also prepare for how to be compassionate when, not if, we forget all of this and find ourselves back in a familiar, less-than-helpful place. I hope you've enjoyed today's show and would love to hear your thoughts. To get in touch, you can write me an email at ask at ADHDfriendlylifestyle.com. Connect with me on my website, Instagram, and Facebook at ADHD Friendly Lifestyle, or Twitter at ADHDFL. Every episode has a website page with show notes, transcripts, next steps, resources, and articles related to the topic. To get these, visit ADHDFriendlyLifestyle.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way is to subscribe on the podcast player of your choice and by taking the time to rate and review it there. And here are other podcasts for your listening pleasure. On Hacking Your ADHD, Will Kerb gives tips, tools, and insights. Brendan Mahan hosts ADHD Essentials, focusing on parenting and education. Thanks for listening. See you later.